This episode of the Buffalonian Podcast is brought to you by the Buffalonian Division of the Cast Horse Podcast Network, a podcast network built by Buffalonians for Buffalonians, featuring the Wings of Blue Cheese Podcast and the Buffalonian Podcast, with more shows on the way very soon. Find these shows wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or simply visit our website posted in the episode description. Now, without further ado, let's get into the Bills, Sabres, Hot Takes, and more. The Buffalonian Podcast. All right. Let's go. We are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by none other than Dom Loss. Dom. We're coming off a hot, hot win, but not as hot as last year's Miami loss, unfortunately, temperature-wise, you know. But we're coming off a hot win against the Dolphins, who put up 70 points last week and were held to 20 this week. So, I mean, big win for the Bills there. AFC's rival It's back, fiery more than ever. Um I'm excited. I'm not going to get too far into it, though. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you go for a minute. What were your overall thoughts, though, before we get into it? It was a weird game. They won by four scores, but it never yeah. felt. It felt like yeah, they were up by four scores, but I think just the respect for Miami and their offense, you just felt like the game was never truly out of reach until they stopped playing uh, Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle in the fourth quarter a little bit. But yeah, I mean, listen, I think if you, it's it's a weird game where if you took away the final score of the game and you looked at the box score. I think a lot of people would say, oh, it was closer than it really was. Look at the box score. But then, you know, there's a big penalty differential, obviously, Miami with uh, the two turnovers as well. It becomes a situation where Buffalo scored to take a 28-14 to lead yep. of about three minutes to go in the first half. Miami did not take a snap, an offensive snap, down by less than 14 the rest of the way. I know. 28-14, then it was 31-14. They did score. They failed the two-point conversion, which is kind of a big brain move. I don't know if we want to talk about that for a second, but well, that was that was going well, for uh, it. That was a huge big. I, I, I'll talk about that in two seconds. But <laughs> then obviously the Bills get a field goal. Next time they get the ball, it's 34-20. Pick touchdown, and then they score another touchdown. So Miami was never not down by 14 the entire second half, and three, so 33 minutes of the game, over half the game, uh, Miami was down by two scores. Um, so good, good for the Bills to keep their, keep, you know, at, going into halftime, it was like, oh, they're up by 17, Miami gets the ball first, keep, they gave up a touchdown, it was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be like, uh, I can't breathe right now, but they kept the, the, <laughs> the pressure on the Miami's throats uh, to get jumped on, but I will say the two-point conversion confused Nance and Romo, confused me at first, but yeah. I realized it made sense because if they made the two-point conversion, they had the expectation that Buffalo was going to score again. And if Buffalo scored to go get to 38, if they got the two-point conversion and got to 22, they were only down by two possessions. Right. But if so, they only hit the PAT, they would have been down by 17. They would have been down by three possessions. Yeah. So it's usually in situations like that, you don't love to, quote-unquote, chase points. Like right. You're, you're chasing points. But honestly, it was, what, what, it was a smart move. It's a smart move. Yeah. It's a smart move. It's a complete confidence, like, loser to your defense, though. Yeah. Be like, yeah, we definitely think they're going to at least score at least one more time. Like, we ain't stopping them the whole second half. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's the story of the game, though, right? The Miami defense was not good. They couldn't stop anything. They couldn't, I mean, they couldn't touch anyone with a 10-foot pole. Two of them were 
holding Stefan Diggs at one point, two defensive backs, and he swings him off for a touchdown. Like, what are we? What what is happening back there? I get it. He's normally the slot corner. You lose Eli Apple, who's not fantastic anyway. Um, also a questionable human being, but that's besides the point. I just think the Bills' defense, though, again, Josh Allen, the offense is going to get all the credit for scoring, right? McDermott calling defensive plays is some is an X factor at this point because they're that much more aggressive. I mean, AJ Epinesa is making splash plays every game. He blocked that pass. He blocked that screen pass. He very well, if he jumped on it a little sooner, could have had another pick six. They were close to the end zone. Imagine that. Like, AJ Epinesa showing out the defensive ends, like Greg Russo getting back there, Leonard Floyd getting back there. It was pressure, 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 pressure. And then Terrell Bernard has another fumble recovery. I mean, it's just, it's constant. This defense is putting pressure, making the quarterbacks uncomfortable, disrupting the offensive lines of opposing teams. And yeah, you could be like, oh, the Bills played the Raiders and then the Commanders. You know, the Commanders, though, have a very respectable defensive front. And look at how they played the Eagles. That was close all the way right down to the finish, into overtime. I, I think it goes down to the fact of... We talked about last week how they won by 34 and there's mm-hmm. still meat left on the bone. I'm going to say it again, second straight week. The Bills win by four touchdowns. I think three straight games now they've won by at least 28-plus. It's now tied for the longest streak in NFL history. There's still meat left on the bone. There is. Because if you look at the defense, you had to say, usually you script, an offense probably scripts the first 12 to 15 plays of the game. Like, going into the game, we're going to run these plays, and they probably script a little bit in the halftime. I know there's, like, real ex-players will say that halftime adjustments don't happen, but I think there, there's got to there's be, gotta be a little bit. Yeah. So, I would say, like, they gave up 20 points in scripted plays. Because, mm-hmm. like, the first two drives, you could probably say they were kind of, like, enough plays where it was scripted, and the drive after halftime was scripted. In the flow of the game, the defense dominated the game, but it's also, like, they allowed uh, the Raiders to score on a scripted drive to begin the game, mm-hmm. opening drive touchdown, the commanders were moving the ball until they took a couple sacks and threw the interception. So right. there's still meat left on the bone for the defense to be like, hey, we got to get off to maybe a little bit of a, a quicker start. And there's also meat in the bone for the defense from the perspective of, hey, like, I know we were talking about Trey Way, but, like, he had a drop interception. Yeah. There was a first drive, ball in the air, should have been intercepted, somehow miraculously falls to Jalen Waddle. There was a fumble that the Bills honestly probably could have got as well when they, they forced it at the end of the, end of the half. So... There's a lot more meat left on the bone for this defense as well. And the offense, I mean, there's really not that much meat left on the bone. But, again, they didn't, they had a punt. Uh, they got a field goal drive. But uh, just a phenomenal drive. The offense really only had one real bad drive, and that was um, right after the fumble for Miami at the end of the first half going, I believe, quote-unquote, they went not three and out, but they lost yardage on three straight plays uh, yeah. and then had a T-Bass bailed them out. Uh, with, with the 53-yard field goal, but... Is that the doinker? No, the doinker was a PAT. PAT. But, right. yeah. yeah, I mean, just uh, as you alluded... I think, you know, we allude to a lot in the pregame on Friday, the betting on the Bills of this Bills defense taking away first threes. They really did that effectively, but I just think we touched on it a lot, too, about this Miami defense is just not very good. No, not... At the proper moment. Like, I think they're going to get better because Fangio's scheme is very complex and they're going to get Jalen Ramsey back. They're going to get Jalen Phillips back, their best pure passer. So we talked about how big of a loss that was. Yep. Yeah, they when, just when could, that happened. They yeah. couldn't get a stop. They could not get a stop. And also, I just say this, before we go into your analysis, I have one more thing to say. <laughs> okay. Is, this isn't even the Dom 5. Did we even mention, really, Taylor Rapp's name all that much? No. I mean... 
really, I mean, he was pretty poor the first three weeks. We talked about it extensively on the biting on the bills because we knew Poyer was going to be out. That you know, we didn't know what we was didn't know was going to happen. Yeah. Communication, yeah. like you got to be really because smart he's a different here. kind of safety than Poyer is. He's more yes. of a tackler than a coverage guy. But he so. had a couple of really nice tackles and open space. I thought he played his best game of the year. And I was very impressed by Taylor so Rapp. I don't think Adams can eat his tweet. Yeah. That's all I, I don't think say. anyone's been talking <laughs> about Taylor Rapp's performance. No. Because, like, Mike High gets the interception. Like, Matt Milano was a beast at D-line. But, like, mm-hmm. Taylor Rapp really, I thought, had a very, you know, we talk about stepping up when you're called. I think he really stepped up for the team this yeah. week. No, yeah. and when you need him to, and that's what you want to see. We didn't have depth last year. The injury report was two pages long every week. This year, though... The Bills have, in the offseason, acquired pieces that, you know, we talked about Leonard Floyd as a contingency for Von Miller being on the pup list, right? He has solidified himself on this roster, showing out every week. So, the Bills are scary getting pressure on the quarterback without Von Miller. Imagine a healthy Von Miller added to that. Like, I don't know. I'd, I'd be scared if I was any other team of this defense. And with McDermott's more aggressive play calling, oh boy, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fantastic. But right now... I think it's time to roll some highlights. So first, we're going to hit all the touchdowns of the day. Josh Allen, deep right to Gabe Davis. Who else, as Jim Nance said, who else? Big game Gabe. Big game Dave, or Gabe Davis. Big game Gabe. I mean, Gabe Davis scored the first touchdown of the game, as you saw right there. He's now scored a touchdown in each of the last three games. So they're utilizing, they're spreading the wealth. I mean, we're going to get to Stephon Diggs, talk about you know, eating the whole dinner box by yourself at that point. But, he, I mean, he had a day. Any question about, you know, the whole Diggs wanting out of Buffalo, Stephen A., go eat your sources. That's all I have to say. But let's go right into it. Diggs' first touchdown of the day. Or, no, James Cook. James Cook before Diggs. Needs a little push. Needs a little push. Opposite of the Philly. Opposite of the Philly. Allen goes in. Gets him over the edge. The refs questioning. This was challenged by McDaniel, was it not? All scoring plays are officially reviewed by the National Football League. Officially reviewed. Um, it was reviewed, not overturned. There was not enough to overturn it. So good on the good. referees for that. Yeah. Um, it was like, I mean, the running game, too, that's a huge, huge upgrade from last season where now we've got Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, and James Cook. Really, James Cook is exponentially showing out. Latavius Murray breaks away on a huge run yesterday. Absolutely unreal. But, you know, we're seeing not Josh running through the goal line. We're seeing yeah. the running back. So. I think it was nice seeing James Cook a goal line touch. Obviously, they were doing hurry up because of the big Latavius Murray run, so they didn't have time to really swap Murray back in for Cook when they got in either one, so it was good for him to punch in. Talking about the Gavis touchdown real fast, a lot of people question, you know, Deontay Hardy's impact so far through the first couple of weeks. How many times have we seen him go out in that wheel route? Yep. Got the defender to bite. Gabe Davis goes behind him, very similar to what uh, Josh Allen did to Jason Kroom back in 2018. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his first, Kroom, his, oh, my God. I, his, I think that might have been his first career road touchdown pass to Jason Kroom. I got to look into that. But, yeah, very similar to that. Good play calling. and. Uh, yep. Dorsey, the unsung hero as well, um, really showing out the past couple weeks. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. But. Now it's Stefan Diggs' time. Right here. You don't know what's happening. Allen's rolling out to the right. He's going up. He's getting chased. Boom. Diggs right into the end zone. I mean, you can't ask for anything better than that. Moving to help the quarterback out. Who's? I mean, that was 
that was some of the, like, I guess, only pressure we saw. We didn't really see a lot. Allen rolling out to the right kind of caused that to happen and the pocket to collapse. But, um, you know, it's it's seeing Diggs get involved where last season I, he wasn't utilized as much as people thought he would have been. I mean, this game, though, he truly was. And we're going to see more. There's two, uh, there's some Diggs highlights, and it was it was a great, great, great yeah. game and great read by Allen to wait for him to get open mm-hmm. and throw it right in. Yeah, for sure. I I do want to say I, I was correct. Jason Kroom is Josh Allen's <laughs> uh, first career road touchdown. I did just look that up. Yeah, yeah, uh, you confirmed it. I confirmed my thoughts on that. But talking about Stephon Diggs, we talk. Uh, everyone talks about Mahomes and Kelsey going yep. off script. Yep. Doing their kind of thing. What that, just happened right Diggs there? Diggs and Allen ab that play touchdown. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Moment. I mean, you can't you can't sit there and say that one is not like the other because they're both very similar. We're gonna stay with Stefan Diggs here. Touchdown number two for him on the day. Deep ball. This is the disgusting play by Diggs. Okay, one tackler. Nope, can't get him down. There's a flag anyway. Can't get him down. Two. Nope, nope. We breaks away. Running down the field. Dawson Knox laying on that last little block as you're gonna see here. Oops, push him away into the end zone. Arms spread wide. What a play by Diggs, not giving up, not going down, just absolutely dragging, dragging a defensive back. It was absolutely unreal. But, you know, we did talk about it. That is not the normal cornerback right there. He's the slot corner normally. Uh, Kahu, I think his name is. Yeah, but he's played a lot outside um, because of the Ramsey injury. But, yeah, again, good job by Dorsey to motion Diggs across the formation to get the one-on-one and – it was a little nerve-wracking because you didn't know what the flag was offensive pass interference or whatever what it was. What was going on, yeah. But, uh, so it took a little, it took a minute to celebrate till they said it was, I believe it was legal contact, contact or holding. But, yeah, a great play by Diggs to, you know, fight through the extra yards and then break through for the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, they had the Dorsey cam on after that play. I remember that where he's getting all excited up there. Uh, they had to have that for Miami, I had a feeling. But, all right, Diggs' is third touchdown of the day. Nice little read here, left side here. Got some separation. Right in, nice hand in front of the camera. Throws it into the stands. I mean, you can't ask for a better day as a wide receiver. You really can't. He was locked in, absolutely dialed. Your quarterback, Josh Allen, absolutely locked in, putting touch on that ball, putting it right in the bread basket. I mean, it's just, it's so fun to watch this team when they're firing on all cylinders, like these past three weeks. And we're seeing more more of that. I mean, against a good, like a very good Miami Dolphins team too. Granted, the defense we've talked about is not stellar yeah, necessarily. I, I think again, it's just a great play call. We we, we yeah. see it a lot in the red zone where my where Buffalo likes to do the play action and then throw the slant behind. Mm-hmm. We saw it get intercepted Thanksgiving against the Lions. We saw it for success against the Titans yep. and Steelers last year. But I felt like it got a little too repetitive this time. Fakes the slant, goes outside, gets a ton of separation. Josh puts it directly on him. It's kind of maybe a little similar to, uh, a little similar to the Patriots uh, touchdown uh, last year as well. So yeah, great, great, great route, great throw for six. Yeah, alrighty. Last touchdown for the Bills before the starters were pulled out. Um, Josh Allen takes it himself. Just and here's the best part. You ready for this? Hmm. The emoji face. All the Dolphins show up with all that on their shirt. Hmm, why are they favored when we put up 70 points last week? That's exactly why. The well, score 48-20, well, to 20, that's why. I thought you were going to say the best part about that is he didn't get touched once. No, he didn't. Yards, he was clean touched, the entire time. Clean, didn't take a shot. Yeah. Uh, great read by Josh. Obviously, he, makes some, he made an audible 
uh, to the place. I thought the Dolphins were in man coverage, faked the running back, the run to the handoff to uh, James Cook, which then led Deion Dawkins to be able to pull block a block by Spencer Brown, creates the big hole. Josh does the rest. Dagger. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's so fun to watch. I've got I've got a couple stats here about Josh if you're ready for him. So in Sunday's Buffalo Bills victory, Josh became the second player in NFL history with 300-plus passing yards, four-plus touchdown passes, one rushing touchdown, and a 158.3 passer rating, the highest attainable mark in a single game. The other person to do so, Aaron Rodgers in Week 7 of the 2019 season. And that, I believe, was that was that the first of the back-to-back MVP seasons? What season was that? 2019. He did not do that in 2019. Did he do it in 2019? Yeah, yeah, week seven of the 2019. He did not season. win MVP that year. He did not? No. Oh, well, look at that. Um, anyway, Josh Allen also has now thrown multiple pass touchdowns in 12 straight games against the Miami Dolphins, including the playoffs, extending the longest streak by quarterback against a single opponent in NFL history. Dominant. Yeah. Um, if you look on Wikipedia, Josh Allen is now the owner of the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, they added a minority with the Williams sisters and all of them. He's now a minority owner. Yeah, yeah. Um, isn't, that, isn't that great? <laughs> it is fantastic. I do have to say, I find it completely comical that, you know, if you pull up the stats real quick back on there, the big snow on the bottom is that Josh had a 158.3 pass rating, yeah. which is a perfect pass rating. I find it comical that it's, that is the first time in his career that he has a perfect pass rating. He got close because in 2020, right? Because I looked it up right now. <laughs> Another thing I just looked up on the fly. 2021, playoff game against the Patriots. Okay. 21 of 25, 308, five touchdowns. His pass rating. A 157.6. Who is making this up? <laughs> It's the How same. is that not a perfect passer rating? It's like the same the only, game. Di- the only difference was that he had 12 more passing yards on the same attempt and one less passing touchdown. Who is making this passer rating Yeah, but up? still, How five total touchdowns. Is it not? Well, that, 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 that's different. Yeah. That's not passer yeah, rating. That's, Q, right. that's QBR. His QBR that game was a 98.8. His QBR this game, 8.9. So... I would, I would also from? agree that, yeah, Josh's <laughs> best game was that Pats game. Yeah. And for some reason, for some reason, unknown to us, he had a .7 off of a perfect pass rating that game. Yeah. I don't know how that is possible. I don't know who calculates that jazz. No. But I think we need to find out. Who something is wrong with your There's formula. There's some tomfoolery going on behind the scenes. That's it was like saying. Tua last week had won like 23 of 26, 300 yards and like three touchdowns and didn't have a perfect pass rating. Like how is – I mean, I guess it's rare, but yeah. I mean, it, it's rare enough. Josh has played cl- close to 90 games now in the NFL if you count his playoff. Yeah. Uh, so for, congrats to Josh for his first one. But Well, well the Bills are now 23-4 and four in games which Allen has zero giveaways, so – that's a pretty uh, big stat. Thirty-one and twenty-one when he has one or more, and uh, Allen's nine and two against the Dolphins with thirty-one passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. His touchdown in the fourth quarter, that one we just saw, the rushing touchdown, was the fortieth in his career. Right, he's ten and two now. Yeah, or ten and two. Right, because he's played twelve games. He's played twelve games, making him the fourth quarterback in NFL history with forty or more career rushing touchdowns. Surpassed Cam Newton for third most combined passing and rushing touchdowns, by the way, too. So I mean, in his first, in his first six seasons, six seasons, yeah. I think he's only behind Marino and Mahomes. I think he's third. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he's Josh Allen stud, but I think you ready for the down five? Yeah, let's get into it. I mean, we've been we've been talking. I, I want to get into specifics here, going in blind as I always do. So we're gonna see. Hey, what happens. the first one on the down five. Prayers for Trey. 
Yes, um, that's the big thing. It's really unfortunate. Obviously, this is the first. I I know Brandon Bean wasn't technically the general manager at the time, but I'm counting it anyways. I don't care. He developed them. First draft pick of the McBean era. Um, yeah, really, really sad. I mean, listen, man. First couple years, he was elite. Almost won Defensive Rookie of the Year. Was a first team All Pro, Pro Bowler. Made a second team All Pro and. It's just really unfortunate that, you know, 2021, his season gets cut short of the ACL. 22, you know, again, doesn't miss a big chunk of this season with the ACL. So kind of lost really two seasons there. And this season, it, it seemed like he finally, you know, I should say finally, but like he was getting back to that trade for him. I mean, yeah. He jumped the route last week in Washington. That was kind of yeah. uh hello. He had almost had a pick this game, looked really good. I mean, he gets injured on a play that he completely locks up Tyreek Hill on a big fourth down. Just, it, it's it's tough, man. Achilles is a tough injury to come back from. Uh, but with mom medicine, I mean, ACL and Achilles is tough. But I'm hopeful he could come back. And, I'm hoping, too. I mean, it's it's tough because in such an exciting game, it kind of, that storyline gets the lost air, a little took bit. Took the air out of the Yeah, and it's, it's just bit. like... You know, you see, it's the same, the same exact kind of situation. Like viewing wise, it's the same thing that happened with Rodgers. Trey got back up, and then he fell back down and threw his helmet to the ground. Rodgers yeah. gets back up after his ruptures, shakes his head, goes back down in the ground. Well, I'll, I'll it's say just tough. I'll say this: the Bills on the roster, if with Trey playing at his level, don't have a cornerback that can play at Trey's level, but. Listen, this is why you have Kyrie Lim. This is why they didn't trade him for a fifth-round pick. Like, right, your depth is, guy. Now. This is why he's on the t- he was on the team, and he's probably going to have to play a significant role uh, down the stretch for this team. So, look, you know, I, 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 all prayers to Trey, but I'm also looking forward to now seeing, see, seeing if Elam can, can find his way on the field and make some plays and maybe get rid of that quote-unquote bus label that he currently has on yeah. him. But well, Benford came back into the game, right? Yeah, he's day-to-day he's day-to-day. Shoulder, so hopefully he can also give it a go as, as well, or yeah. they'd be really thin. So let's go to number two. Okay. McDermott is the most overrated head coach ever. Overhated? Yes. Oh, okay. Overrated. We talked about it in 2020. I was hearing people talking about getting rid of him. In 21, there was there was people in my life saying Ryan Day, the uh, the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, should be the oh head coach of the God. Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I just think it is comical. It wasn't me, was it? Unfortunately, it was. Uh, fortunately for you, it was not you. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's it's comical. It's so many people after week one. Listen, man. He lost to Urban Meyer in 21. He has – is Sean Ryan a perfect person? No. But he is an elite defensive play caller. He is. And I don't think people in that, this day and age of offense, they give so much credit to offensive-minded head coaches and yeah. don't give enough credit for defensive-minded head coaches. Like what D'Amico Ryan's is doing in Houston. Mm-hmm. Like That team is – Flying right now. Yeah, the yeah. Buffalo is flying around right now with him. He took a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Um. You know, he's the scapegoat. Like they got rid of, they scapegoated Leslie. Whatever. Whatever sure. happened with that? Happened. Yeah. Well, they they scapegoated him, yeah. and now if McDermott calling the plays, it's kind of like, oh yeah, this is the reason why this guy got a head coaching job is because he was really good defensive play caller. If you look in Carolina too, yeah, they were dominant on defense. They were dominant, and, and McDermott has consistently was a very conservative head coach, and uses. You know, whatever you think about analytics or data, but is a very aggressive head coach now. 
Mm-hmm. He's able to develop players. I mean, we we see Terrell Bernard like yeah, he's very good at developing players. He's good with defensive um, backs. He's a wizard with them. Yeah, and that's and really exciting to watch. So I, he makes the he lets the offense be really aggressive. So I think a lot of credit has to go out to Sean McDermott. You know, he's easily one of the guys that everyone trashes on a lot. I feel like he's the number one person that really gets trashed on after yeah. losses. And well, unfortunately, when you're the head coach, I it, mean, falls, it on falls on you. On you but you know, I mean. And a lot of people want to bring up Andy Reid in Philadelphia, but, yeah, they replaced him, got Doug Peterson one Super Bowl, and Doug Peterson got replaced in two years after that. So right. I, think, I think we're a little different than Philadelphia and their fans. I hope so. Yeah, well, the, the whole thing with McDermott is, right, at the beginning, more conservative, okay? He's, uh, if you're watching this team play defensively, he's aggressive. I mean, it also, head coaching-wise, anything on the opponent's side of the field past the 50-yard line and in reasonable, like, fourth and five or fourth and three, that's four-down territory for him. Like, he's not afraid to stay out, keep the offense out there. And, you know, you have Dorsey in his second year now kind of starting to really fly with this offense and, like, look good. So I think that's where people are like, you know, we're starting well, to see the whole I team mean, collectively work, and McDermott's calling the defensive plays getting, I don't know, a lot more respect now, I feel like. And it's it's – I was say before we move on to the next one to end on it. It's it's a simple fact of if the Bills fired Sean McDermott tomorrow today, he would get picked up by a number of teams that would have a head coaching job opening in the offseason immediately. Same thing for Andy Reid. Andy Reid got fired by Philly, immediately got picked up at Kansas City. Yeah. If he gets fired by Buffalo in the offseason, there is a team that was immediately going to hire him. It's just as simple as that. But going to number three in the down five. Alan Diggs make a statement. I mm. think this was a statement game for a lot of people talking about Tua and Tyreek being the best quarterback slash, I'm, I'm just going to say weapon duo because yeah. I'll see Mahomes and Kelsey and if you want to yeah, put right. CMC and Purdy up there that high of a running back. I but guess, yeah. <laughs> I think Allen and Diggs make a statement that they're the top quarterback slash weapon duo in the NFL at the proper moment. No question. Because um, Kelsey missed the game, has played solid, Obviously, with Mahomes, uh, I don't think Purdy's up on the level to challenge them. Tyreek and Tua are right there. Jamar and Burrow seem to be having some marital issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm open. Right, is, could there be yeah. an annulment in the yeah. future is the question. Yeah. So I, I, coming in? I don't know. They, <laughs> they may potentially be luring up there, but I, I'm not going to roast them too bad because it's the same crap that they were dealing with Diggs and all that. Sometimes right. the wide receivers, Kirk and Jay Jetta, like, there's a lot of good quarterback slash top weapon duos, but I think Allen and Diggs have the body and work, and this season, as, other than really Tua and Tyreek and maybe Purdy and CMC, but I don't want to put Purdy there, are like, I mean, Purdy, they're top. It, that's like, Purdy, Purdy is in the system. That's Shanahan's yeah. system. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. any, the reason he's excelling so much is because that system is genius. You have the weapons around you, right? You've got Debo, Cam, or uh, Ayuk, CMC. Um, Kittle. Kittle, right. You've got the weapons around you, and, you know, any decent quarterback can fit in there and play well. Yeah, that's why I mean, Garoppolo was very Got to give credit to him, though. He's still playing at right, exactly. high I mean, level. For being Mr. Irrelevant, that's a crazy story, and I, I'm all for it. I hope they're the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. They're my pick. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you make a, a good point here. Tyreek and Tua are up there. There's no question about that. But Diggs and Allen, I mean, you see, you saw that one touchdown, the unscripted, right? Even Collinsworth would, if that was Mahomes and Kelsey, be like, "Oh my God, there's nothing better than that in the NFL." You know, like last night, Mahomes or two two nights ago, Mahomes threw that pick, and he's like, 
there's not many people who could do that or something like that. I was like, we're still doing this. But anyway, I just think Allen and Diggs are over they're, – they're underrated because of the quote-unquote drama, drama in yeah. the offseason, which Absolutely. seems to be, like, non-existent. Teams are going to go through growing pains. You know what I mean? Like, you just – just let it go. They they still clearly know each other inside and out. Like digs to move to where Allen needed to throw that ball on that play. Like that's the connection you have there, and those two are the best example of that. Aside from Hill and uh, Hill and Tua and Kelsey and Mahomes. Yes, know? for sure. So and the best option this season is built. I think the, the best Alan option Diggs. with the plus body of work is Allen Diggs. Yeah. But going to number four. Um, the defense makes the case for being the best in the fan, in the fantasy football league. Whoa, Whoa. national football league. Um, obviously, San Fran and the Cowboys have elite defenses. Um, the Cowboys obviously had maybe the most dominant performance, but I think the Bills' body of work. I mean, the Jets didn't really get anything going. The Raiders, nothing. The Commanders got really shut down, and the Commanders have looked pretty good in three of the four games that they've played. Yep. Offensively, and then obviously Tim Howell had a day against the yeah, Eagles. Yeah, and obviously you know? the, they played the number one offense in the league. The team that just stopped seventy points and held them in twenty, and uh, could have had some more turnovers there and there. I think the one thing that is holding the Bills back from being the number one defense in the NFL, from I think people's opinions, is they are allowing six point three yards per rush. Right. And you look at that stat at base value and be like, wow, that is really bad. Yeah. But I think the pro- the problem that lies with that stat is for the Bills is that they had to stop giving up explosive runs. You yeah, see you it, still you get see the Brees Hall run. You see, you see it with Brees Hall with the 84-yard run. They gave, they gave a big run on the end around, uh, I think, 34 yards on the opening drive against the Raiders. You see if Howell and Robinson had two pretty big runs for Washington. Obviously, the A-chain run, I think, that was a 58-yard run. So, yeah. obviously, oh, if you take those out, it's lower. I was like, yes, but the, the point still remains. To, for the Bills to be considered the number one defense in the NFL, they have to stop giving up those big runs, and it comes with tackling, and they they are kind of a little bit gettable sometimes occasionally on the on the pitch play, on the outside numbers. Yeah, outside um, runs. Yeah, I think sometimes the corners get blocked by the wide receivers, and this uh, it's, it's bizarre that from that perspective, but I think it's for the Bills to be the number one defense, they got to get rid of those, but, I mean, man, takeaways, sacks, pressures getting off the field on third down, getting big-time stops against not terrible offenses, to be honest. I mean, Washington, I think, is going to be in the top half of the league, and obviously Miami is going to be the number one offense in the league, in my opinion, by the end of the year. Uh, okay. And then, yes, and then the Jets are a bad offense, and I think the Raiders are a definition of a mid-offense. But the, the Raiders still had weapons. Um, so, yeah, really impressed by the Bills' defense. Obviously, again, more meat on the bone. Uh, to pick with them, but they definitely did make a statement this weekend. Number five, more of a, maybe more of a negative, I mean, I would say negative, but like just kind of an interesting thing would be with Khalil Shakir. Um, his experiment expired. You know, he, for whatever reason, kept returning kickoffs um, this week and yeah. kept getting tackled at the 20. That was really bizarre. Obviously, he gets kind of the big drop on the, you know, the field goal drive I was talking about, the one really poor offensive drive. Third and 14, Josh drops a dime, and he kind of drops it. Obviously, he had a touchdown week two. Right, uh, but that's it. Had a nice catch on third down uh, against Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a situation where it's like, okay, they have to cut him and put up Andy Isabella because if you look at it after this year, it's only Diggs, 
Shakir, Shorter, and Deontay Hardy. I think I think Sherfield's on a one-year contract. I know Davis is the free agent. They're the only like four guys that are under contract. So and he has another two years that's pretty cheap for being a fifth-round pick. Right. So I think the value of him is still there. It just is like. Does he? Is it possible to put Andy? Is, is there a spot in the fifty-three man for Andy Isabella, and then Clear Shakur becomes a healthy scratch? I don't know. I think the discussion has to happen because yeah, because Isabella kind of showed out in preseason. Or is it? A, or is it a situation where they just make Deontay Hardy the kickoff returner and uh, the punt returner have him take both roles up? I, I I don't know. It's 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 interesting. He's having a hard time getting on the field, Shakur, offensively, and then special teams not really making a fantastic impact in the return game. It's still. Only four weeks in the year, but I think he's been a pretty heavily – he's been – I've been very disappointed in him, and obviously when he gets the big opportunity, it's is it the easiest catch in the world? No, but is it a catch that you need to have happen in the NFL? Absolutely. Right, you're not seeing what you want to see out of him, unfortunately. You're not seeing the playing time. You're not seeing the big plays. He dropped the one, like you mentioned, um, right in the breadbasket uh, from Josh Allen. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like we're, getting, we're nearing the point where we call this um, – we're nearing the point in the scientific method where the experiment's a no-go anymore. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I think, the val- again, the contract value is the reason why I think. And he's still solid enough as a wide receiver five. It's yeah. just like It's just like his floor of being a wide receiver five is good enough for, like, the contract of how cheap he's going to be, and especially when yeah. they're going to be cap-strapped. But, like, it would be nice if we could get a jump from him because the next year he could have a bigger role in the offense if we lose Gabe Davis, and, like, maybe he could take that step. But... I mean, I'm just at, at four. Listen, we're quarter of the way through the year, but at this point, I didn't get a great training camp either or preseason. So, um, yeah, de- definitely not, not definitely not great from Khalil Shakur. But uh, that is the Dom five. Um, I guess wrapping up final thoughts before we a little bit talk about what happened to the Patriots, Cowboys, and Jets, Chiefs. It's <laughs> just um, it's a big win. No, no team is undefeated anymore in the AFC. Nope. I don't believe the Bills are – I think the Bills – I don't know if they're the one seed, but – They're listed at the top, but it might be a tie. A tiebreaker or yeah. whatever. But let's put it this way. They're 3-1. They're tied for the best record in the AFC. They're obviously the number one team in the AFC East now because they have the tiebreaker over the Dolphins. Um, as you can see by the screen, just defensively, they're the best defensive team in, in the division. And offensively, I mean, they're kind of right there with the Dolphins, which is kind of a shock-ish, but – yeah, the last three weeks, they definitely, I believe, have been the best team in football. Um, really impressed by them. The Dolphins are still a really good team. Uh, and when That is crazy, though. Points four. I mean, they're like, after the Dolphins dropped 70, I mean, they're 139 to 150. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the one week the Dolphins scored. I mean, the Dolphins, if you look at it from the perspective of this, the Dolphins have scored 17 and 20 in a game, and the Bills have scored 16, and their their second lowest point total is 37. Right. So from that perspective, it's like, oh, like one point difference from there, but then it's a, it's a 16 point difference. And then obviously their top score. Yeah. Uh, whatever that. But um, <laughs> yeah. And then if you look at the division, the rest of the division, I mean, they're, they're now two games clear of everyone else other than obviously Miami. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots look to be like, I mean, in a heap of trouble. I mean, Mac just looks like not, not, not great. Good. The whole offense doesn't look great. The defense losing your two best players. I mean, Christian Gonzalez. You should Gonzalez. invest in some wide receivers, Bill. I think the problem is they did invest in wide receivers. I mean, they pay a lot of money to those wide receivers. They just aren't good wide receivers. Well, one's about to – knee's about to explode. Supposedly, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> losing your top corner in Christian Gonzalez and your best at pass rusher in Matt Judon, it seems like those are going to be injuries that uh, the Patriots defense still pretty good, but I don't think they'll be able to overcome. So, 
they don't look too hot. Obviously, they the Bills play them in a couple of weeks in Foxborough. Uh, I believe that's after the Giants game. And then mm-hmm. uh, the Jets, I think the Jets looked really impressive. Against uh, the Chiefs, yeah. yeah I mean, they I mean, really put up a good fight. They're still two games ahead of the Jets. The Jets still have the tiebreaker on them. But uh, Zach Wilson could play like this. They could win some games because that defense is really good. They play the Broncos next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that really should be a Packet win. Packet schemes some good plays for him, I think. I mean, it, you saw Zach Wilson who can act sling like it. sling it. And, you know, unfortunately, yeah, he dropped that snap, but, I mean, you can't really, I don't know, I felt bad for the guy after that, seeing that press conference. I'm, I mean, he know, played well, he, he played, played well. well, he played well, but at, I think at the end of the day, it's about consistently in the national, he had to consistently perform in the National Football League, and we're going to see it next week, I mean, he's playing against literally the worst defense in the league, I mean, Justin Fields looked awful until he played them, Miami dropped 70 on Denver, so, yeah. Um, this is a big week for the Jets because if he looks like if he looks bad again, I don't know what they're gonna do. But yeah, I mean it's an impressive week for the Jets. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, this is, this is a win-loss league, man. They end up losing, so it's a little bit of a tougher pill to swallow. But maybe that this brings them some momentum, especially with they, you know, outside of Miami, Buffalo, Kansas City, um. Miami, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore. Like, mm-hmm. those have probably been the four teams that have been the most impressive. And then, obviously, someone's going to win the AFC South, so that's five. The other two playoff spots, man, kind of a little bit open, especially with Cincinnati kind of not knowing what the heck they're doing. Yeah, well, If the Browns me, get to Sean yeah. Brack, maybe, and then the Chargers of Herbert, if they could go on a little run. But it's a little bit more open, I think, than I thought the last cut that, you know, the last two spots right now through the quarter of the season, I feel like. There's a little bit more of an opening than I than I anticipated, but well, the Chiefs are interesting to me, right? They 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 put up a good number on the Bears last week, but that's arguably one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Um, but then to to play close with the Jets, I know the Jets beat the Bills, but like it's kind of like inconsistent from them a little bit. You know what I mean? It, like, it's weird, but I just think they need another wide receiver, and they're gonna have to add a wide receiver because it doesn't seem like they can get open at the moment. But yeah, the defense is a little disappointing. Uh, that pass rush really wasn't very good on Sunday night, but they'll be fine. I mean, they, everyone has off games. The Bills got beat on one. The yeah. Bills and Chiefs both got beat on one. The Chiefs. That's why I would have the Bills above the Chiefs at the proper moment, is because I think the Bills have been. A little bit more dominant than since consistently yeah. since week one, and the Chiefs obviously had the tough game. But yes, it's uh, listen, quarter of the way through the season. But at the end of the day, we do not want to be the best team in the league after the quarter of the way through the season. We want to be the best team in the National Football League on, I believe it is February 11th in Las Vegas. We want to be the best team that day. Yep. So that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what we're October 3rd, nope. my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, Jeremy. Oh, does not does here. does not matter. We want to be the best team on February 11th. But going to a team that will be playing, uh, you know, hopefully meaningful games in February and March. Yep, the Buffalo yep. Sabers. Yeah, let's let's pivot there. I, I mean, again, it's just look good in the preseason so far. I mean, it's it's very exciting. The team's still exciting to watch. I was just telling you the other night. I met three of them, so I mean, it's it's cool. Yeah. Um, it's just I don't know. I I'm like. I'm really excited about the Bills right now, like because mm-hmm. they've been consistently playing well for a long time. But the Sabers, I'm just like ecstatic. nine day, nine days away from the opener. Yeah. So ecstatic. I think I think with the Sabers, it comes down to so on your roster you have 23 slots. Yep. You know four you get four lines of three, 12, three D pairs, 18, two usually two goalies, so that's 20. So usually you have three you have three people not playing, 
and it comes to the, the debate of what are the bills? What are those bills? I do this every week, yeah, Dominic. Yeah. I gotta like have like it's a mental note. Going. But the Sabers have three open spots, and it looks like they're gonna keep three goalies. In my opinion, if they do not keep three goalies, um, they should trade UPL because I think Comrie looked better against Pittsburgh than UPL did against the Maple Leafs. You see Tampa, their rival, out 18 to 10 weeks for uh, Andre Vasilevsky. They're going to play Jonas Johansson for two months. I don't think that's a good solution, but I don't know if you really want to help your rival and potentially you're competing against in the playoffs. But yeah. I don't know about that. But I think there's a, maybe a market for UPL to trade. I just think it's time to give up on him, unfortunately. But You think? Yeah, so that that's one mar- That's one team. I, I think what's going to happen with the three open spots is this. I truly believe this. I believe there's going to be one forward, one defense, and one goalie. I think they're going to keep the three goalies. I just truly believe that. I think that's they, they operated like that last season. I don't see them differentiating. From so them. They're, they're not going to keep two forwards and no D, extra D. They're not going to keep – I think it's going to be one-one. So if you look up on the situation as this, their top six – if you look at the defenseman, their top six is set pretty much. Yep. Darlene, Samuelson, Power, Connor Clifton, uh, Eric Johnson, and – Henry Okiharu. Even if he, you don't like Henry Okiharu, he's in there. Whatever, he's going to be in there. Yep. You've got to be realistic. There's one spot for three people. Jacob Bryson, Riley Stillman, and Ryan Johnson. My opinion is this. Ryan Johnson is really impressive. He has been. But I think he really struggled against Columbus. And is it more beneficial for him to be the seventh defenseman or a top pair in the HL? I would lean towards top pair in the HL. Yeah. So then, then top pair of minutes so, in a lesser league. Yes. That's what I would say. Yes. So so we could grow, and then yep. maybe you know when injuries hit, because unfortunately they're going to hit, you put them up. Yep. So at least the two people. It's a, it's a two man race in my opinion for seven because it would be different if like six was available than Ryan Johnson they would be in. Mm-hmm. Jacob Brayson or Riley Stillman. And from my opinion, I think Ryan Riley Stillman. I was I was kind of confused by the trade last year. Um, cause I didn't think he was very good, but yeah. he was very impressive down the stretch. I think he's looked really good in the preseason, adds really good physicality, seems like a good dude, good vet in the room. I would wave Bryson and and pick and keep Stillman, because I think Stillman could potentially get picked up if you wave him. I don't know how many people would be wanting Jacob Bryson on their team, and if he gets picked up, he gets picked up and claimed. Right, well, the thing is, even if 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 I didn't know who the other option was, Jacob Bryson needs to just get, be gone. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not I, that I far. I mean, not that far, but, like, last season, it was just, like, it wasn't impressive at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, there were, of sure. course. There you don't want to just get rid of them because you want depth. But, yeah, like, if it, they're going to keep 70, man, you gotta, I think you got to be able to make in. a sacrifice. Yeah. I think he's the one to get so, sacrificed. So then with the Sabres, with Jack Quinn being out, yeah. have 11 starting forwards. You have Alex Tuck, mm-hmm. Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner. You have Dylan Cousins. J.J. Petrica, Victor Olsen, that's six. You then have... Mitz. Mitz, Krebs, Yost. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm sorry, you have 12. My bad, I miscounted. Mm-hmm. Greenway, Oposo, Gergensons. You have 12. Mm-hmm. I think there is potential for Zach Benson to make the team and have Tyson Yost as your extra. I agree with that. As much as I love the pickup of Yost and like how he played last year... Um, I think Benson has been impressive beyond impressive so far. And I think there you you're right. I think there is an opportunity where Yost becomes that backup guy and Benson well, takes he, his spot. He, here's, the, here's my thought process on it. You have 12, sure. Mm-hmm. And then you have another strap. I think Rosine and Kulik have, I'm not saying underwhelmed, but 
I just haven't seen the they're ready to play right now in the NHL. Yeah. Like I I think they could use a little bit more marinating in the NHL. And like when injury, again, kind of Brian Johnson when injuries hit, I, I trust them to call up. But they're not sitting in the 13th box doesn't really do a lot for me. No. Brandon Byro and Lucas Ruzak, I just think are guys that you can Ruzak definitely because I think Byro's outplayed him. I, again, with the goalies, maybe they keep they trade a goalie and they keep two forwards. I would keep Barrow over Ruzek at that point. Uh, but for me, I would start Benson in the NHL. I think Matt Savoy may go on IR, so they might keep him around. I don't, I don't fully. He's kind of like I just don't know what they're doing. But with Benson had the big goal, game-winning goal against Columbus, having power play time. I mean, listen. I think the best case scenario is that he plays nine games and gets that experience and goes back to juniors and has a down juniors year. Yep. And you look up on this perspective. I think if Zach Benson's on the team, it's going to be Skinner, Thompson, Benson, your top line. It allows you to drop Alex Tuck because you don't have Jack Quinn who's a top six forward on the team. You allowed to you, you technically kind of add quote unquote a top six forward in Benson. Yep. But I think you can play with those guys. You're allowed to drop Tuck down and help balance and out and help the, balance out the lines. Maybe yep. put him with middle stack because he looked really good. And then you have Cousins and Paterka. Yeah. That's three lines in the middle. Middle stack Tuck also played well that's, together. That's, that's, last how, year. that's how you have your defensive line as well as you yeah. know, as uh, you know Gergensen, Krebs, Oposo. So that's how you get the four lines. I think that adds depth to your roster. Mm-hmm. And then. When nine games come up, all right, then you have Yost or you have, if Kulika Rosine's playing really well, you put them in that spot. Mm-hmm. Because what you buy is you buy yourself time. Like, taking nine games from Zach Benson, all right, well, if you're going to say, okay, Jack Quinn's going to miss 41 games. Say he misses half the year. Yeah. If I can put Zach Benson in for the first nine games, I then take out two weeks' worth of games, I already have a replacement for Zach, for Jack Quinn. Right, yeah, but exactly. It, it buys myself time to get Jack, Jack Quinn back in the lineup. Now, I don't know if you could do this, so I'm, I'm going to be honest, this could be wrong, but I don't know if, if you IR Matt Savoy, and then when Benson comes back, if you activate him, I don't know if you could also get nine games out of Matt Savoy. So then potentially you could get 18 games out of those two guys, yeah. put them back to junior. I don't know if they could do that, so if they can't do that, I would just say, Either play Yost or play some of the AHL guys. But well, I don't know any better than you, and that sounds like a fantastic idea, though. It sounds like a good idea, but I don't know. If, I don't know if they could do that. No. I don't know if they could do the Savoy part, but the Benson part. Yeah. That's why I think Benson can make the rosters. One, I talked about this at nauseum when we first started the podcast. Yep. About how I thought that Jack Quinn and JJ Pritica, when they were all the way back in the AHL, should be getting a roster spot over Vinny Hunt and Strohs in the starting lineup because they earned it. Yeah, I, be- I believe that's where... Zach yeah. Benson has earned it. they got to stop doing this hierarchy. He's earned it to have the moment of playing his nine games, and then you don't even have to burn the ELC. Just put him back to juniors. You have... I don't know if you can do the same thing with Savoy, but then, heck, if Kulik gets hot in the first couple weeks in the AHL or Rosine, put them Bring in the spot. Yeah. And have them play in the top line. Give them a shot. You need to start rewarding your prospects for you playing You reward well. them for playing well, and then you also, you're by, again, you're, the most important thing for the Zach Benson thing is, yes, you're helping, two things. You're helping Zach Benson's development, mm-hmm. and you are also buying time to get Jack Quinn, a top six forward on your roster, back on, get healthy Right. For the stretch While run. also creating depth, because that was the biggest problem yes. last year, was once we got past the second line, or third line, we had some serious problems. Like, so, it, there was, it, we could not play. Vegas, though, is the um, the standard, right? That's what you want to be. Their four lines could play with any line of any other team, right? Easy. Mm-hmm. Sabres did not have that. Once you got down to the fourth line last year, you could tell, oh, we are dealing with the fourth line. You've got yeah. I post about their skating at the quote unquote speed of light, you know. So, so, so yeah. So <laughs> not, um, not also, it was cool to see them at the Bills game. Yes, 
Um, I know we don't. They all look. look we, did you see the meme where it's like they look like the kids yeah. from St. Joe's or a high team? I, 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 I thought was I thought was funny when they were all of them being fist bumped and Josh bro hugged uh, Alex Tucker and you could see uh, Matias Samuels from the right kind of like say something to Tage Thompson jokingly and then he bro hugged Tage as well. Yeah, I thought that was funny, but. Uh, yeah, not a lot to talk about. Obviously, um, well, I'm saying not, not as much to talk about compared to the Bills, so a little light in the Sabres, but they were solid. They're a couple of preseason games. Yeah. They have two more tomorrow in Columbus, and then they, they, ho- they host Pittsburgh on Friday, and that's it to, until the home opener against the Rangers on October 12th. So next pod, obviously, well, I should say the next pod because betting on the Bills is Friday, but next Buffalonia. Next Tuesday. Next yeah. Tuesday, the 10th. Um, Heck, I mean, the the reason will be over with, and uh, we'll see if they listen to any of my ideas and what you yeah, think is a good they're, idea. they're fond listeners of the Buffalo podcast. Yeah, so we'll see if they listen to anything <laughs> about there. Also, oh, I did just want to throw out there, we were talking about Trevor Zegers last week. Yeah, he The signed. Ducks did sign Yeah, but also years, the so. producer and I, Mike, are going to a Sabres luncheon with some of the players on Monday. So, so I think should, should I we think, be expecting interviews. I, I think or? we're going to need a little bit of a bigger uh, no. I think we're going to need a little bit bigger gap for the Sabres next time, more time allotted because uh, could have some cool stories there. And obviously, with the preseason coming then, we'll know the roster construction. I believe that we'll, we'll know another roster construction by next Tuesday. But yeah. Go Sabres, and are we ready to move on to our last little bit here? I think so, yeah. I, I'm just, you know, go Sabres. It's exciting. The season's coming up quick, and um, they're, going, they're going to the playoffs. We're also, one more thing popped in my head, we'll also have some award predictions. Uh, next week. Team predictions for the Sabres as well. So we, we're going to talk a lot Sabres next week, so maybe a little bit of a longer pod. I, I don't know how we're fully going to do that, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but... With that being said, we do want to briefly talk for the next five, ten-ish minutes. Quick fantasy football update. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, we like giving you the updates in the punishment league, our punishment league that we're doing together because mm-hmm. I think it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's funny how I'm cursed. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, this week uh, I had the great honor of playing Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should say unfortunately. For, fortunately, you know, I like playing. Unfortunately against, for me. I unfortunately for Joe, Joe had the fourth highest score of the week, and, and unfortunately he played the dude. Who's ranked currently number one? So who had yeah. the number one highest score of the week and lost one eighty nine to one seventeen? I just can't catch a break. Fourth highest um, score of the week could have beaten the majority of the league. Unfortunately, go to zero and four. Yeah, I go to three and one. Now I had the tiebreaker because I had Listen the most though. points for. Listen though, zero and four, not the worst spot to be in. It's all about not coming dead last. So I, you know, just hey, there's another zero and four team. You're getting number one waiver again. With who's the other zero and four? Your brother Jake. Oh, you didn't beat him. You beat him. Uh, Jeremy beat him by less than three points. Oh God! Yeah. Uh, so going to be close. Yeah. So uh, as we discussed this, uh, there was a little comical moment uh, on Monday, yesterday of a scramble, if you will. Tim Horn's panic, in my opinion. <laughs> um, as there was four trades that are done, I I briefly just said the trades. I would propose three by yeah, three there people. There were so oh. many trade offers going on, a lot of talking, but the four trades that went down were one trade was Jalen Waddle for Najee Harris. One trade was Jerome Ford for Adam Thielen. Another trade was Derek Henry and Gabriel Davis for CeeDee Lamb and Jarek McKinnon. And the big trade was Anthony Richardson, A.J. Dillon, and Marquise Brown for Mark Andrews, Miles Sanders, and Jerry Judy. So there was a lot of movement. Uh, 
a lot of movement. Obviously, we have our polls that yeah. we do week to week. Uh, we Joe, was, Joe was ranked 10th in the last edition last week. I was ranked 2nd, so we'll see if the producer was ranked... What were you ranked, producer? 7th, so we'll see if he stays there. Uh, unfortunately, he took a 15-point loss to a guy that was ranked 8th, so uh, maybe, not, maybe a little bit of a fall from the producer, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Tim Horn's panic, man. It was so many, there were so it many was, trade-offs. No, it was it's not done yet. I don't think it's done yet. I think no. there's more moves to be made. There will be today. I'm feeling after... Waiver wire tonight, too. Yeah, so. waiver wire tonight. I'm going to have to go and... Do some research. Do some research, see who we're looking at. Uh, whoever sold Derek Henry high, mad props to you. I don't think he that was your brother. on the streak. That was Jake. That was Jake. Yeah, congratulations. I don't think he continues putting up the points that he did last I, I, week. So, sell high. I like it. I will just... Also, briefly, briefly mentioned that uh, waiver wire tonight. Mm-hmm. So you're number one the waiver wire. I am again. So yeah. that that could be huge for the program. I got I got a chain a chain uh, off of it last. And week. I think it's incredibly important to say that um, recapping a little bit now, a little bit further in our trade for myself getting Diggs Yugi and DJ Moore and Jimmy Gibbs. DJ Moore kind of turned Listen, out. Listen, whatever you want to say, DJ Moore has 40 points in the two weeks. Yep, obviously. Jameer Gibbs is the only one that kind of fell Stephon off. Stephon Diggs obviously got 36 points for me, and I was able to start Kyron Williams, who got 27, because I didn't have to start Jameer Gibbs, who only got 9. Obviously, that's very frustrating for you, Jameer Gibbs. But but Jameer Gibbs will now be a flex option, because now with Barkley coming back, and I have hey, Achain, like there's there's two solid The 0-4 team right may make a run out of Tim's. Yeah, yeah. I Listen, but, listen. I think it's possible. I'm more confident now after building the team that's currently, and I'm bur- sorry, Burrow, we're burning him. He's not playing on the team again. Like, well, he's not starting. How, how the league is currently constructed in the standings, there are two teams that are 0-4, one team that is 1-3. I think there's a lot of teams that are 3-1. and So you're going to have to go on a little bit of a run, but. Listen, someone's 1-8. It's you, right? Producer? Is it? Just got to run past him. That's all I got to do. Well, you got to run past your brother. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he, he might start playing well. I have no He's idea. He's going to get Cooper Cup back? I don't know. Yeah, this could be interesting. It's going to uh, – Or, nice. you listen, one of those three and one teams could absolutely just poop the bed. Like, we have no idea, you know? Well, yeah. I have Josh sure. Allen might not last very long. We have no idea. You know what is funny? I think you're – you are Owen. well, I know you're Owen 4 and Jeremy is 3-1. and one. I'm pretty sure you guys he have – He could I'm pretty fall. sure – I'm, I'm going to look at this right, right now. now. I'm 95% sure you guys are like a point off from having the same amount of points to score exactly. this season. So that's one person I'm confident could fall. Like, I, I have I have confidence in that. That's I'm gonna, I'll, We'll see it real quick. The points for – Yeah. You you are still last of 419, but he is second to last of 421. You're a point and a half behind them. Listen, the team's getting better. We're building, okay? Oh. We're retooling, and we're getting more points for fourth highest of the week. Yeah. Oh. Can, if that continues, we're going to be just fine. Listen, we'll see what happens. Uh, I play the number two team in the league, both three and both three and one. Both have the two highest scores of the of the season so far through four weeks. So that that'll be an incredible, uh, intense matchup to determine who's going to be number one in the poll next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm projected at the proper moment to lose 132.8 to 132.7, so literally a point one off, uh, which is kind of wild to say. And then Joe, just for reference, you're playing Patrick, who has Josh Allen. Uh, you had to set your lineup and stuff because there's some stuff going on, yeah, but we'll yeah. see what happens there. And then the producer is playing a team, and he's put to lose by 20 points. 
Oh boy. So it could be one and nine next week. Could be tied. One and four. Where are you getting nine from? Oh yeah. What am I thinking? One and eight. <laughs> Why was I thinking that? One and four. But uh I think that does it for the fantasy part of the pod. Yeah. We'll keep not Listen, we'll have to keep doing these updates. Like, like we said, fun. next season next season we want to do a big Buffalonian league. So if you're listening out there and enjoy fantasy football let us know on the social medias. I listen. The social media stuff works. I have the, I I drive an old Jeep Wrangler. I have the podcast logo on my tire cover. I got a DM the other day, okay, and it was like, do you see this red SUV? I'm right behind you. Do you see this red SUV driving all over the road in front of us? I didn't see it that day, of course, but I responded back. This is absolutely wild. Yes, I do remember that SUV. It was all over the road, by the way. Disrespectful for you to them to call you an SUV, though. I mean, no, no, there's an SUV ahead of me that is driving all over the road. Oh, they found the podcast account mm. by no, the no, podcast. No, no, I understand. No. I thought yeah. they might, they were calling your car the SUV. No, 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 SUV. no, no. I mean, they, it was the, there was a crazy yeah. SUV right. in front I, of I understand now. My yeah, bad. My bad, the listener. My yeah, bad. The social media works. Just reach out, and then we'll figure it out. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. I'm Joe Kelly. As always, I'm joined by Dom Loss. Thank you to our producer, Michael Loss, Mooch, as he's commonly known. What do you want to go by exactly? Mooch? All right. Producer Mooch, thank you for everything you've done. And uh, we'll talk to you on Friday, betting on the Bills. Dom, how do you always end these? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills.